Garfield et Jeffin Welcome to yet another action-backed episode of Guy Fit of Japan. I am your host, Johnny. And I'm Tom Tom Tokyo. And I'm Jeremy Deschner. That's right. And as you find folks know, Guy Fit of Japan is about one, two, three, four, four dudes, booze. Japan in the news. That's right. Tommy, wake up, man. You're a little slow today. <laughs> Did you have your coffee? I don't know. Okay. No, I had a nice nap. I had a nice nap after our last podcast, but, but no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready. Okay, you're ready. Right, sorry, sorry, this... sorry, sorry if there's a little bit of a lag, but let's dive into this. So there okay, yeah, this guess. is a heavy hitter for sure. Tommy, um, I forget. What episode is this? Are we on 560? Is that 560. Correct? That is definitely correct. 560. And we have a very, very special podcast today. Well, actually, they're all special, but this one is a little bit more special than the others because this one is <laughs> um, hauntedly epic. And uh, Jeremy, could you invite our guest, please? Yes, um, our guest today is Mr. Jim Harold, one of the fathers of podcasting. He runs the uh, Paranormal Podcast, along with one of our favorite podcasts called the Campfire Podcast, along with many others that are on his uh, Jim Harold's um, team or cl uh, club. I'll let him tell you more about it. He must knows much more about it. Without any further ado, Mr. Jim Harold. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me, and thanks for staying up late. I mean, we've got like I think a thirteen-hour time difference. I think it's so cool what you're doing, and thank you so much for allowing me to be on the show and inviting me to talk about spooky stuff. Cool. Very excellent. Cool. Hey, Jim, let's hop right into it. Tell us a little bit about your shows. Tell us about your, your Jim Harold's Club and, and uh, tell us what you do. Well, I am a full-time professional podcaster. I've been podcasting since 2005. It wasn't always that way. I started with like a crappy Windows uh, PC and like a like a, a cheap headset mic and then uh, did it for a few years. I had worked in radio uh, for since the early 90s, like on the business side, but I was a frustrated broadcaster because that's what I went to school for. So <laughs> I, got, I always got to see these people on the, the side of the mic doing all the fun stuff. It's like, I want to do that. And I heard about podcasting. And I heard people like Adam Curry and Leo Laporte doing these fantastic, highly produced podcasts. I'm like, I can't do that for my little house. And then I listened to some of the home rolled ones and I'm like, well, I can do that. So I started podcasting for fun, never thought it was going to turn into anything. And it kept growing and growing and growing. And then to a point in 2012, um, where I could go full time with it. And I've been full time since and I, I'm really blessed and, and thank my audience for that. And the two main shows you mentioned the paranormal podcast where I interview people who are experts and authors on the paranormal and the supernatural, everything from UFOs, ghosts, cryptids, the whole bunch. And the thing is, is that I don't know if anybody's really, uh, really an expert because I don't think anybody understands what's going on, but uh, that's why I do on that show. Jim Harold's Campfire is the show you referred to, and that is like the flagship show. That's the show everybody loves, or most people love if they're into spooky stuff. Real people come on and just tell their stories of weird, freaky things that happen to them. And then... I also have you talked about the club, the Paranormal Plus Club, but I really don't talk about that a lot on other shows because that's like supplementary content. That's like the back catalog of uh, shows beyond three months. So I say, hey, listen to the free stuff. If, uh, uh, to people who are new and probably most of your listeners have never heard of me, just listen to the free stuff. And then if you become a super fan and you really love it and you want to do a deep dive, check out the Plus Club. But there's plenty of free stuff to listen to. Uh, and I would start with Jim Harold's Campfire. That seems to be everybody's favorite. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. I, I know I love the Campfire. Johnny loves it. Tom, have you listened to it yourself yet? 
Yeah, I listened to it. Like, sorry, I'm like, uh, maybe not as much as you guys, but I listened to the latest episode. It was pretty good. The one about the cat. Um, I yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I quite liked it because, like, you know, I like that kind of like paranormal and spooky stuff. Kind of, yeah. It scratches an itch I never knew I had. Kind of, right. kind of way. Yeah. So. Well, the thing for me, I've done. Uh, you know, it's coming up on. Uh, I think all together, all my shows combined, I've done two thousand episodes. But Campfire itself, I've done you know, 463 episodes. So that's a lot of talking to people about strange stuff. And I always think like, oh, I've heard it all. You know, I've heard every kind of iteration. And there is, you know, you'll have your ghost stories, your shadow people stories, your alien stories, you have a, but you know, it's almost, I would say several times a month, I get like stories like, whoa, I've never heard one like that. So it's just one of those things where it's always different. It's always fresh. There's always like new weirdness out there. So, Jim, why don't, you, uh, why don't you tease our listeners with one of the most uh, unusual stories that you've had in the, in, the rec- in the recent years? Well, this is actually an older story, but I always lead with this one because it's one of the freakiest. This one is like uh, Twilight Zone worthy. And, it's okay. a very, and we have very simple stories. This is an elaborate story, but I'll tell you because this is my favorite. Um, it's called the Roadhouse Saloon. So anyway, this was one of my listeners, T.I., up in Michigan. And she told me uh, this story about a time she and a friend, uh, a male friend, went to see a band. And it was up in Wisconsin. It was a rural area, and they closed down the place. And they were both musicians, so they were talking to the band. So, you know, it was past 2 o'clock when they got out of there. It was in a rural area. About a, They had about an hour to go uh, to where they both, uh, you know, respectively lived. And uh, anyway, they're driving back and T.I.'s like, oh, I got to use the restroom. I got to use the restroom. And her friend Bob said, well, there's always a bush, but, you know, this time of the morning, nothing's going to be open out here. So anyway, they're driving along and they see this, uh, like, this bar, like, set off and there's all these cars and there's neon sides. And it's past two o'clock in the morning. They're like, that's weird. That shouldn't be open now. And it says the Roadhouse Saloon. By the way, this place really exists, and I've got the pictures to prove it. Uh, oh, listeners wow. have gone and found it, so this place exists. So anyway, uh, they say, hey, you know what? I don't know why they're open, but I'm sure they got a restroom. Well, let's go in here. So Bob gets a couple beers. T.I. goes and answers the call of nature. He comes back. And like all these people are kind of weird. They're kind of like smiling and looking at it and not talking. And it's just kind of a weird place. And Bob mentions, you know, I'm really glad we're here because I'm an artist too, as you know, a painter. And there's this great old West mural. There's like, you know, the bar scene and then like any John Wayne movie or something <laughs> with the swinging doors and the bartender and the guys up the, and the dancing girls and all that. So they're looking at it and they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. And, but it's just a weird vibe they get from this place. Then this guy comes up to T.I., and he puts uh, Chubby Checkers Let's Twist again on the jukebox. And uh, he asked T.I. to dance. Now, T.I. walks with a cane. So yeah. she showed her cane and said, no, I, I don't dance much. And she said she was really glad because this guy's really gnarly and nasty and had rotten teeth. And it was just weird. So anyway, these people are acting weird and they're kind of smiling, but not really talking. No, and they start to continue to look and talk about this uh, mural. And they noticed these swinging doors. And the swinging doors, they, they looked at it before, but they noticed something different about them when they were looking at them. There were like, like two misty globs, one smaller, one taller. Mm. And they're like, hmm, what, what's that? We didn't notice that before. And they talk a little more and they look back and they're be, like literally becoming more formed, like into humanoids, like, like people. It's like, that's, that, this is kind of weird. You know, this place is kind of weird anyway. It shouldn't be open. Uh, people aren't really talking. They're kind of smiling, kind of acting weird. And then they keep watching this. And it's like the old Polaroid pictures, if you remember those, where it develops in. And like the, this misty figure was developing in. And they noticed one was a man. And he was taller. And one was a woman. And she was shorter. And as it began to... To develop, they noticed that the woman had uh, curly hair. Well, T.I. had curly hair. And then he noticed that the figure had boots. T.I. had boots. 
the male figure was much taller, just like Bob. And then the kicker was they noticed that the woman walking into the scene through the doors had a cane. So at that point, T.I. Bob look at each other and they say, okay, let's get the blank out of here. And they go out, they close the door, and the place goes totally black. Like it was never open. As they were going out, the people were kind of waving back, like, come back, come back. Wow. So anyway, it's not over. They turn around to get in their car. Now, remember, this place was full of cars when they came there. They turn around. There's a car in the parking lot, a car, one car, their car. Hmm. She gets in it. They get in it. They leave. Now, T.I. is a lot braver than me because I'm a chicken. I'd be like, man, I'm never going within like 100 miles of that place again. She goes back with a friend of hers. Uh, maybe, I don't know, two or three days later. And they go like 8, 8, 830 at night. They don't wait till 2 o'clock in the morning. And they walk in. And there's a young lady tending bar. And uh, I said, yeah, I was here the other night. It was really, really cool. You know, I love that mural. By the way, the mural didn't have any misty figures in it anymore. Um, and she said, yeah, I was here the other night. There was this big, good-looking, strapping guy who was a bartender. And I was like, the only two people at 10 bar here are me and my, like, 60-year-old father. I was like, oh, okay. And then... They do have a jukebox. Now, I should have mentioned originally the, the, the jukebox was one of those classic kind of uh, record jukeboxes with vinyl in it. Some of us are old and I'm old enough to remember when you could actually see those in a place like with real records. And uh, the jukebox was there, but it had CDs in it. And no chubby checker on the jukebox at all. With that, T.I. said, okay, my curiosity is satisfied. I'm out of here. And uh, they left, and that was it. That, that, that's the mystery of the Roadhouse Saloon, and that's been the most popular story we've ever had. That goes back several years, and that's one of the more elaborate. And the, it, here's the thing, a couple things about this story. One is, is that uh, I know for a fact the place exists. I actually called the place and tried to get them to do an interview. They never called me back. Uh -oh. uh, and it's not been, it was first featured on my podcast, then it got featured on a, another very popular podcast named Spooked, which was put out by WNYC. So this story has made the rounds. Uh, listeners and uh, actually an author who's been a guest on the show went to this place, took pictures, the mural really exists. So, I mean, people say, well, do you think it's true? Do you think it's not true? I don't know. I mean, I pretty much take people on face value, and most people, I think, are very sincere. I can say this. I have met T.I. in person. She strikes me as a very, like, level-headed, regular person, mm -hmm. and I don't know what she would have to gain by making this up. So, I, you know, I, I think that my whole philosophy is that I don't necessarily, you know, I don't think everything's a ghost. I don't think every UFO, unidentified flying object, is an alien. But I do think there are things that are weird about this world, and things we don't understand. Maybe it's like the science of the 23rd century. Maybe there was a parallel universe that T.I. slipped into. I don't know. But I do think there are like these weird glitches and weird things that happen, and I do think that they're they're real. So my motto is kind of keep an open mind, not so open your brains fall out. But uh, uh, but I'll tell you, that, that to me was like a classic uh, campfire story. Wow, that's that story was great, man. I thought that was just like you said, like a Twilight Zone episode. That's exactly and, right. Yeah. And the thing I really liked about your, your podcast, and, and one of the reasons I always listen to it, is, is, is the fact that you do just let people tell their story and you don't judge them and you just listen to what they say and take them at face value. And that, I find that to be quite interesting. I, I don't know if I could do that myself. I'm, I am a very skeptical person by nature, right. but I, I like the way your approach to it. And that's kind of why I like your, your podcast, even though say, having, you know, being a skeptic, I'll still listen to ghost stories because I want to hear, you know, I just want to hear a good story. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I want, you know, I want people to feel welcome, both the listeners and the, uh, and the, and there's a time and place for critiques and those kind of things. But what I do, I don't think that's the place for it. But I mean, I think that, 
the vast, and I've said this on other shows, and I think I've even said on Campfire, I believe the vast, vast majority of um, people who call in um, are sincere. Uh, mm-hmm. I've had a couple people who, <laughs> who I think were pulling my leg. I have one that had this whole elaborate story about a pen, and at the end, like the name on the pen was F. Jackie. Now, I used to listen to the Howard Stern show years ago, so I know that was a Stern thing. <laughs> now, I don't know if that was like, because I know that they've separated Jackie, Martlin, and Stern, but it's right. like, no, I'm not putting that on the show. I know what that is. You think I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> say Baba Booey into the microphone. Oh, Baba Booey. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I think there's been a couple – cases where people pump but usually i you know not usually the couple times i've just not aired them but i think most people are very sincere in what they say and uh and want to make a place where hey i could tell my story and it's like well you know you know that kind of thing i will ask people like we get a lot of people who have sleep paralysis uh if you're not familiar with that that's that feeling where you're paralyzed and then sometimes along with it people will report seeing like god figures like shadow figures or maybe aliens or whatever and um, i will say you know do you think that's physiological do you think that was biological stuff like that but it's not like i think you're lying you know uh, we we don't do that tom you had a question yeah um, yeah i guess like uh, my main question would be like uh what's that Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I'm okay. Uh, okay, good. Uh, yeah, my main question for you was just like, yeah, how do you find like credible people? Because like, listen to your campfire stories, like, um, I don't know, it seemed like really normal people, you know, you have an every, everyday conversation, you know, waiting in line for the supermarket or on the elevator or whatnot. So uh, how, do you, how do you find like, I don't know, I guess credible, believable people, A, and B, like, uh, how do you say, what's your like, I guess, I don't know, BS detector, we'll, we'll try to keep it P. Uh, PG, like, you know, some, when somebody's trying to pull your leg or just, you know, wants attention and whatnot. Well, uh, two things. We don't really, I don't screen the calls. I mean, it's, it's an open sign up. Anybody can sign up. I put the call out and, and people could sign up that way. Uh, personally, uh, you know, it's a fine line. I, I don't like to judge people uh, in this context. Now, let's say that somebody has written a book or they've done a movie or they've done a documentary. That's a little bit different. That's a little bit more like, okay, well, let's talk about this and what are the alternate explanations and those things. But somebody simply calling up to share their story, I'm not, I'm not going to do the prosecutor thing and give them the third degree. Now, certainly, I think some people in my mind have a higher level of credibility just the way that they describe it. I mean, any range of show, there'll be stories like, yeah, that, that really resonates with me. And it's like some I might think, oh, that might be a little far-fetched, but I'll give you an example. We had a great story, and this is like a men in black story. Do you mind if I tell another story? No, please. please that's why you're here, my friend. Oh, please. please <laughs> well, this is one of my favorites. You know, I, you know I, I mean, certainly with everything going on in the world, I think that there are improvements and things that need to be made in terms of like policing and things. But I have always been a big supporter of law enforcement. I think uh, they have a very difficult job. And certainly while there's room for improvement, uh, as we know here is going on in the States and and training and things to to do things better, I I still think highly of cops in general. And I had a uh, cop who called in. He worked in the Southwest. He didn't say where, and I I could see why after this happened. And my point in this, to your question, how this answers your question, this was a highly credible person in my view. And uh, he was working as he put at Graves, he was working overnight, and they had this, uh, this call. There was a naked man by the freeway just acting like some kind of feral animal. Hmm. And like probably, you know, you would assume maybe he was on drugs or something, meth or, or whatever it might be. And uh, essentially what happened was they went, and this guy is like, jumping from the overpass and running around naked and he's like he's like almost like a zombie kind of, you know with his mouth and stuff and it's like this guy's messed up so they they sub they subdue him and they're trying to cover him over and he starts to defecate all over himself yeah and he said this is really disgusting i thought you'd appreciate this he said he said it looked like soft serve <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyway, oh, oh, that is descriptive. Yes, yeah. I thought that was one of the more oh, unique uh, descriptions I ever got in the show. But anyway, <laughs> gross. I could never after that. Down down years ago, I could never look at chocolate self serve again. I always think of that guy. So, I would but, say I passed, but that yeah. kind of leads to another joke. Uh, <laughs> I thought you guys would appreciate it. Thank you for the image. <laughs> uh, now, now that's in your head now. Anytime you see chocolate self-serve, it's all over. I don't know if Japan's big on self-serve. But... Oh, we've got it. Okay. Uh, anyway. Yeah, oh, anyway. Yeah, we've got it. Uh, yeah, Baskin, Baskin Robbins will never be the same for me again. There you go. I, I've ruined you. I've ruined you. Sorry, Baskin Robbins. Uh, anyway, point being, he's like, boy, this is like one of the most unusual things that's ever happened to me. So they call up the state police. And uh, because of jurisdictions and things, that's who they need to get involved. So state police comes. And this guy knows most of the state police because he's a local cop. He interacts with them a lot. Now doesn't recognize the guy, but he, he takes down the badge number. And... Uh, Guy's kind of brusque, kind of rude, and said, oh, we'll take it from here. Don't worry about it. Like, get the F off of my, my turf. Hmm. So anyway, he's like, well, that's weird. And then an ambulance comes. But the ambulance is like some company, you know, it's like a third-party company that he doesn't recognize either. He takes their number off their car, like they have the numbers, you know, sign. So anyway, he gets back. And uh, essentially, and uh, you know, I'm I'm make it a little rougher for this show, but uh, he comes back and essentially tells his friend, this state cop was like an a hole. I mean, does anybody know who this guy was? And he describes him like, no, I don't know. Nobody in the the group there, uh, the detectives and so forth, know who he is. So anyway, uh, he has to file a report, and he's talking to like a dispatcher or somebody. And he's like, okay, well, I've got the information. Uh, here's a state trooper. Here's his number, badge number. It's like the badge number doesn't exist. Mm. Then he checks with people and is like, um, wait a minute. Uh, the, the ambulance, uh, this ambulance company, and looks up the number. That number doesn't exist either. So this guy's left wondering what in the world did I get into? Is this like a government operation or something? Was this all like a elaborate uh, ruse? And uh, it was just, uh, it was just one of my favorite campfire stories. That's the story. I mean, they carted him off and took him wherever, but. You're being ghost cops. Yeah. Or MIBs, well, man. Those are MIBs. Yeah, well, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Like yeah. Jeremy said, yeah. I thought MIB. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, again, you know, anybody can call up and say that they're anything, but that's a lot of trouble to go to if, like, you know, they don't make any money off of this or anything. And I just thought it was Dave, and he was in the American Southwest. I, I'd like to circle back with him on that story and see if I can do a video interview, but I kind of think it'd be one of those things where he's, like, shaded out, you know? <laughs> yeah, we don't want to mess with his career, you know, also. Right, exactly, exactly. But, I mean, that was one of my favorites. Have you ever had David Pilates from Missing 411 on your show? Oh, I teed that guy off. No. Yes, I did. Okay, really? so this is when I was working full time. Oh, goodness. And uh, he was very nice. He sent me a book and I said, I'd like to interview you. And he said, well, tell me what, and again, I'm paraphrasing because this has been a while. I don't want to mischaracterize it. But um, this is the only guest I've ever upset, I think. Even uh, I was telling you before, one time I had an important guest on and I recorded on the wrong track and we had to redo it. And he was very gracious about it. But Paul Edes must be upset with me, or I know he's upset with me because um, he said, well, get it to me so many hours in advance or so much time in advance because, uh, you know, um, I need to be prepared, blah, blah, blah. And because those books do have a lot of cases, I can kind of get that. And um, anyway, he's like, I, I, I think it was supposed to be like within 24 hours or 48 hours or something. And I sent him the information five hours before, because guys, I mean, you know how it is when you're working a full-time job and you're trying to do a podcast, you want to do the best you can for your guests, but sometimes life gets in the way. Now, if it'd been now when I'm doing this full-time, no problem. So I sent it to him. He's like, you've given me no time to prepare and I'm not going to be on your show. And I have tried at least a half a dozen times to reach out to him and say, hey, you know what? 
let's let bygones be bygones. I've got a pretty good listenership, but he's not interested. So, oh, well, oh, here's to those who wish us well and all the rest can, never mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> books are really crazy, man. I mean, yeah, yeah. And I think, that, you know, that's the thing is I think he's, you know, he's onto something really interesting and I wish that, um, I wish that uh, uh, he'd come on the show, but I guess I so offended him that he, he won't. So if David, if you're listening, um, please forgive me. And I, uh, I uh, extend you a hearty welcome back to the show. But uh, if not, that's okay too. I've got plenty of guests. Well, let's make that happen. That would, that'd be great. <laughs> Jeremy. Okay, um, just for people who don't know, can you give us like a summary of what his book was about? Because I'm, I'm one of the people who don't know. Missing 411, he has a series of books. And basically, there are these odd disappearances oh. in uh, like wildlife areas, parks, U.S. parks, and people who've just gone missing in thin air. And it is interesting because this has happened. And there's no trace of these people again. And he's done a great study of this over the years. So I'd love to have him on the show. Sounds interesting. You know, really. I think you've inspired me. I think I will actually reach back out to him and he well, won't answer me again. Totally but, should, uh, man. You really should. I mean, you guys would be peanut butter and jelly. I mean, his stories are so incredible because it's the same story again and again and again, you know, and they find the same kind of remains and it's just like so clothes. They'll find like a pile of clothes or something. Shoes. And I mean, there's, um, there's unfortunate cases where people, you know, are molested or whatever. And that happens, of course. So they don't all have to be supernatural, but some of them just have such weird aspects to them. Um, they found kids on top of mountains, like like hours and hours and hours after they disappeared, which doesn't even make any sense, you know? It's incredible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, you gotta check it out, Missing 411. Get them on the okay. show, please, we'll listen. <laughs> I'll try, I'll try, that's all I can do. Uh, don't feel bad about getting guests that won't come on because that's happened to me all the time. I set up, sometimes I set up guests for this show, like, like for example, with you this time, but I've asked um, some famous people to come on before. Say their names. I'm not going to say the names, they're, they're, uh, but uh, I, I've been told, you know, no in, in not so nice terms before as well. So <laughs> Got I basically, you know, Hey, I'm like, you want me to be on your show and uh, you're giving me opportunity to talk to you and your audience. I'm thankful. It's yeah. like, um, and uh, I appreciate it. It's like, well, let's face it. I mean, I'm not Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> but you're close. Wish I were. Wish I were. <laughs> hey, has anybody got any DMT? But anyway. No, 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 no not, not in Japan. <laughs> no way. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> I, actually, I won't, you know, I'm. On the Zoom cast. It's years go by. Well, actually, to be honest with you, I, you know, there's a lot of people in the paranormal who um, were in the supernatural who were into that. And I won't even do that because uh, on the shows, because I don't want that. Like they'll uh, companies will send me these books, like psychedelic connectedness with the supernatural. And it's like, I won't even do it. Cause I don't, I know kids and things listen and I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to promote drug use and, uh, you know, illegal drug use and that kind of thing. So I don't even do that on my show, but, uh, uh, but it is interesting. There is like, um, there is a, a school of thought that that taps into something. I mean, I don't know that I buy it, but there's really, I'll tell you something cool. You know, um, there was this show called One Step Beyond in the 60s. It okay. was kind of like a Twilight Zone, before Twilight Zone. And I think they pulled this from circulation, but there was this weird episode where the host went and did, I think he did DMT or something, in the 60s, like the early 60s, and talked about the supernatural experience. And I was like, I couldn't well, believe this. I found it on YouTube. It's one step beyond. And it's just the weirdest thing to realize this was on network television in like the early 60s in the United States. But um, some people theorize of that connection, but I don't, I don't like to get into that. You generally keep your shows pretty PG-13 from what I've listened to quite well, a bit. Yeah, that's the plan. I mean, certainly, you know, there can be scary things. You know, we have stories about demons and, and, and stuff. So there can be stuff that's scary for kids. And I certainly, you know, I try to, I, I mean, I hope the parents have enough sense. If you're talking about little kids, they shouldn't be listening to that. Uh, or certain episodes, certain episodes are, are fine. So I asked my I kids, like, what do you parents, think about that? Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Jim. I would ask my children. 
What do you think about that? Do you think that's real? Do you think that right. the person might have right. had a but I know problem? it's listen, but I mean, if there's something that's a little on the edge, I will definitely like say, hey, you might not want your kids to listen to this one. We just had a guy who um, on one of the plus shows, and I put a disclaimer on it, he talked about people who say that they had, well, he did uh, alien abductions in the UK. And he talked about that because there's been, you know, percentage wise, you know, as many as there have in the US of people who claim that they've been taken on some kind of craft or something. And he talked about this one woman who basically um, said that she had been taken up and they had, uh, you know, they had a physical relationship um and you know something like that i'm going to put a disclaimer on it and say hey guys <laughs> if you got kids this is not one for them to listen to uh but mo- most of the free shows in particular i i keep them for, yeah that's a good description pg-13 because you know uh i i just come from that radio background so mm-hmm. i want to make it something like you switch on the radio and uh, you know you feel relatively comfortable, so that's just—it's not that I'm a prude or anything. It's just that that's the way I do my shows. That's cool. That's cool. Um, you've covered so many stories and so many different kinds of topics. What is your opinion regarding Ouija boards? You know, here's what I think about Ouija boards. In fact, it's so funny you mentioned this because we were cleaning out our basement and my wife had a Ouija board and my youngest daughter's like, oh, why don't we play with this? And I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. Um, here's How old the your daughter? Uh, 17, but it was like, I don't know if I want to, I don't know. I don't know if I really want to do that after all the stuff I've heard. But here's what I'm, okay, it could be, it could be just a harmless game. But what if it's not? See, I've had people on the show who have said like, oh, well, it's just a tool. It's just a tool. It, there's nothing to it. You know, it's just like uh, tarot cards or whatever it might be. Other people say, oh, no, you're opening a portal and you don't know what's going to come through. But even to the people who say that it's a tool, it's kind of like to me, well, it's like a chainsaw, right? You know, you see these people who take a chainsaw and they'll make this beautiful ice sculpture or they'll make this beautiful wood sculpture. And if you give it to me, I'm just as likely to cut my arm off. Um, so maybe the Ouija board might be a tool to get in touch with the other side, but in the hands of, um, you know, just uh, an average person, maybe it's like me with a chainsaw. They might cut their arm off spiritually. Because I do wonder, um, I, I had a crazy story, I think, because I have campfire books too. You can find those at jimheraldbooks.com, but. That just gives you a link to them from Amazon, but jimheraldbooks.com. goes to my site, and then you can check them out. I've got five books. I'm working on a six. But anyway, um, one of the craziest stories was this guy, when he was a teenager, had like this uh, woman who was like advising him spiritually. And he said that she had a Ouija board. You know how like a game board, like any board game, it has a, like a fold in the middle. Mm-hmm. He said that she put the, now this one was a little far-fetched, I've got to say, but who knows, said that she put it on the floor and the board started walking across the floor like an inchworm. (laughs) And then, uh, what did, I think she took, and this has been like 10 years ago, she took the planchette, no, she put the board in the fire no, I'm getting my stories mixed up. She took the planchette and put it in like this velvet thing and threw it in a fire and it didn't burn. Wow. And then she got it out and she took it out and it did burn. It's like the velvet was like some kind of protective. It just was a weird story that reminded me. And we've had, a, I can't think of them all right now, but we've had a bunch of Ouija board stories. And it makes sense. I mean, if there is like evil, and I do believe in evil. I mean, some people say, well, there's no such thing as evil. If you look at somebody like a Dahmer or a Bundy or John Wayne Gacy, they're just mentally ill. And certainly I think there's probably some aspects of mental illness in that. But I believe that evil is real. I think good is real. You see good every day in the world and you see some really awful things. And I think some of that is attributable to true evil. But yeah, I think Jeremy had Oh, I was going to ask you, um, what you, I wanted to hear your opinion on, you know, what's the um, outcome usually of ghosts? Because like all the stories that I hear, there's a ghost at the end of my bed. When I woke up, there was a ghost sitting on my chest. Uh, I heard a voice that said, get out. You never hear or, or see anyone except I can think of one case where a ghost has actually killed somebody or hurt them. 
So even at the yeah, Ouija board, you know, board, I yeah. don't hear I don't hear a lot of people being killed in things. Um, I've had different people have said different things on that, like authors and things I've talked to. Some things say that yeah, if there's an evil poltergeist, they can kill you, and and other people have said, well, no, they don't have that power. So I don't know that. That's the funny thing. People say, well, you're an expert, and it's like no. No, there are no experts because nobody knows. And, and the other thing I'll say is I started these shows and I thought, oh man, this will be cool. In six months, I'll have all the answers. Right. And 15 years later, I have more questions than I've ever had. So I think all this stuff's a lot more complicated than I thought it was when I started. But anyway, back to your question, you know, most of the stories are open-ended. There's not really, and that is one of the frustrating things. I mean, I'm old enough, I'm 51. Eh, sonny. Uh, so I'm old enough to remember, like, In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. Me too. And I have the disc. That's me too. And that's what got me started on all this when I was a wee little kid. And it always annoyed me because it's like, well, what's the answer? They never have an answer. It's just like they never, they never say what it is. But you know what? That's the deal. That's, and maybe it's not meant for us or we're just not sophisticated enough uh, in terms of our science or whatever. But it's just so frustrating it's so frustrating that you never really have an answer. I mean, there's some interesting theories out there. I just read something that um, that they did a new um, experiment. These are like full-blown scientists, like from major schools. And they did some kind of quantum physics um, uh, experiment, and I don't know the particulars of it. But the, the, the bottom line was it, it totally throws into question everything about our reality. And these are people who believe in the paranormal. They're scientists and just say, hey, we've done yet another experiment that shows that we really don't understand reality. And it might be really, it was kind of along the lines of the wave particle duality, if you're familiar with that. I am. It depends on how you look at it. Light is a wave or is a particle, something along those lines, but more sophisticated, uh, uh, Schrodinger's cat and all that. Uh, but that really, we don't have clue one about the nature of reality, which, you know, is this a computer simulation? Is this preparation for our next life? Are we all reincarnated? I mean, it sounds like stream of consciousness, but after doing this so long, it's like, yeah, it could be any of those things, or it could be none of them. I don't know. Yeah. Go to Sorry Tom. for go not to answering the question, um, but that's okay. <laughs> Tom, go for it. Uh, I'm like, I uh, actually like, yeah, like, uh, for dropping some knowledge on us and also like uh, i don't know how, how, how you got started like why specifically like the paranormal and like ghost stories do you have like you know maybe a weird experience when you're a kid you can't explain you see a ghost or i don't know like why, why specifically what like drew you to this like you know kind of format well uh, a couple things uh, specifically about the ghost story piece um, well, first of all, my, my really, I said, it, I said it before, my original interest in all this started with In Search Of, with Leonard Nimoy. And I just thought, oh, it's so neat that there might be this whole other side of reality we don't understand. And that is always fascinated to me because I'm a huge admirer of science. I mean, I, a couple months ago when the whole SpaceX thing happened, I thought that was so great and was so great to see America in space again and doing cool stuff. And you know, you're in Japan, I'm here, we're doing a podcast. I mean, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you would have needed a satellite to do this. And it's all because of science. So I, I don't poo-poo science and I'm a great respecter of science. But I also believe that there's this whole other side of life that, that is real and that we don't understand. And that just always fascinated me. Now, specifically with the ghost story piece, what happened was I was doing the Paranormal Podcast, started in 2005. And you guys know it. sometimes it's like, oh, gosh, uh, somebody canceled or we're behind. I don't know what we're going to do a show on or whatever. And for Paranormal Podcast, I'm like, boy, wouldn't it be neat if people came on and told their real story? So we did one episode of that. And it was so well received. I'm like, well, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but it's like, uh, this is its own show. And I started with the campfire in 2009. So, um, and, and I've always been fascinated to, uh, uh, of stories. I'll give you an example. When I was growing up, my family was from West Virginia. Yeehaw! And uh, I was from Ohio, so I grew up, uh, I'm a city boy. But anyway, I used to love to go, and I was a weird kid, admittedly. But one of my favorite things was 
down in West Virginia back in those days, at the end of the evening, you know, eight, nine, ten o'clock at night, the old folks would get out on the porch and they'd start swapping stories. And I always loved that. I just loved to hear these life experiences of these people who were so different than me. And it's kind of an extension of that. It's kind of like a spooky front porch. It's like we're just swapping stories about things that happen to us. Now, um, Jeremy, I think you said it, and I think there's a lot of validity to this. This is the kind of thing that you can enjoy, whether you believe or you don't believe, because sometimes right. a good story is just a good story. Mm -hmm. Now, I happen to think that at least in some of the cases, it hints at a greater, stranger reality. Uh, but whether you believe that or not, a good story is a good story. The Roadhouse Saloon is a good story. Yes. So um, I think it works on multiple levels, and, and that's what attracted me to it. Okay. One of the things I really like about your podcast is that you have people from all over the world, not just people mm -hmm. in the U.S. Like the thing mm -hmm. that I really like about it is you have people from Japan, you have people from England, Australia, everywhere. And, and, and there's a commonality in their, yes. in their supernatural tales, regardless of whether they were born in Australia, they moved to Japan, or like in my case, I was born in America, moved to Japan. There's still a commonality across cultures. Like every culture has a lady in white you know, who disappeared and yep. she's walking down the highway and when she gets in your car, she, fan, you know, fades away. That story is universal. It's not just an American thing. It's all over the place. So in, yeah. in the years you've been doing your podcast, I was going to ask if you started to notice these similarities and what, what sticks out in your mind? Well, yes. I mean, shadow people's one. Another one is, here's one that I had heard of, but really didn't realize, doppelgangers. Oh, good one. That's one that goes across cultures and you hear a lot about um, a quick story on that, and I'll get back to your question. There was okay. this one story about a, 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 a mother and a daughter, must have been a single mom, lived in a trailer. And uh, the school bus would pull up in front of the trailer and let the, the girl off at the, in the evening. I'm assuming she was 16, 17 years old, something like that. So anyway, the one day the mom's sitting there, and the school, her, her, her daughter... Um, she didn't see a school bus, but her daughter comes in, looks at her, starts cursing a blue streak at her, MF and this and whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. And she storms off and goes in her room and slides, uh, slams the door. And if you remember like those older trailers, how they're laid out, there's like a living room and then there's like a thin hall and you go down. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's what happens. Uh, two minutes later, school bus pulls up. Daughter gets out, comes in the door and is like, hi, mom, how you doing? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, what? And uh, you just cursed me out. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I mean, that kind of thing has happened. And that is also associated with other spooky stuff in the home and, and things like that. So I guess what I'm uh, saying, back to your question, commonality, doppelganger is one that I never really thought was a big thing, and I'm surprised about how many people. And another thing, here's another thing that it reminds me of. People talk about the flood myth, right? The flood myth in terms of uh, Noah's flood and other similar. You know, almost every culture has a flood myth. Mm. Almost every culture, there's a cultural memory of there being a gigantic flood that wiped off, you know, most of the people off of the planet. Now, yep. to me, if you look at every culture and there's a flood myth through the oral tradition, what does that mean? It ain't a myth, folks. I don't know what it was. Hmm. Is it the biblical myth? I mean, biblical uh, flood? Who knows? But if every culture has one, to me, that tells me there's something to it. And uh, to your point, Jeremy, if people have the same stories across cultures and they've had them in the past before a lot of the popular culture stuff, uh, to me, it means there's really something to it. Uh, it's really interesting. It's a, it, that, that, that exact point has, I've thought about that many times over the years. Yeah, that's really cool. I, my point was the, the lady in white, everyone has that, you know, mm -hmm. that, that kind of thing, even, you know, regardless of what country you live in, if you start telling that story, everyone's like, ah, I got this. I've heard this one before. And you get that yeah. wherever you go. Johnny, you got something. Yeah. Um, you've got a lot of questions, you said. And if you could have one of these questions answered, you get like 100% of the truth and you can really find out exactly the oh, answer. Easy. 
What would that question be? That's easy. And I bet it's something all of you guys would like to know too. Is there an afterlife? Mm. Because think about this. I often say on the show, not everybody's going to see a ghost. Not everybody's going to see a UFO. Not everybody's going to see a Bigfoot. But guess what? Everybody that's hearing the sound of my voice, including myself, we're all going to die. So to me, I would like to know if there's an afterlife, because if there's an afterlife, that answers so many other questions, right? Because if there's an afterlife, there's a creator, probably, uh, or some overseeing deity. Uh, it answers, uh, you know, uh, is our, because I'm a big believer in the idea that I kind of look at our brain as like, um, I don't know if you guys remember, I remember the days when you got a computer and you just, it had the programs that were on it. When I was first starting out, it wasn't connected to any kind of network or anything. It would just sat there and it had like a dozen programs and you could use those programs to your heart's content, but that was it, right? And I think when you look at science and materialism, not materialism in the sense that, oh, I want stuff, but materialism that, that is just like basically our consciousness and everything is just matter. Everything's here in our brain. That's it. That's like that old computer. I kind of think that our brain is like a computer of today. Yes, you have the programs that are there and the things that are stored here in your brain. But I also think it's networked with a greater consciousness. And I guess some people would call that your soul. So I forgot your question, but I think I was getting towards answering it. Oh, the question, what would I want answered? So to me, if you answer the afterlife question, that proves some kind of creator or deity. That proves soul, right? Because obviously when your body's dead, your body is dead. So it answers many other questions. So it's kind of a little sneaky trick by me to try to find the answer to multiple questions. Plus, I really want to know what happens when I die. Because if I know I'm going to die and that's it, that might give me a little more, I know, impetus to, to go do that thing that I always wanted to do, knowing that I'm not going to get another crack at it or there's not something greater that lies beyond. Maybe if we knew that... if. On the good side, I hope there is an afterlife. I want to see my mom who passed and my relatives who passed. I, I would That to me would be the ideal, to have that big reunion in the sky. I hope, I personally hope that's kind of what happens. But if that's not the case, that would be good to know and it would be sad to me, but it would be good to know too because that would really put an urgency too, wouldn't it? Because it's like I better, you know, get the best bite I can of this apple because this is it. So that's my answer to that one. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say, I think there is an afterlife. I do believe in it. Uh, Those are very good answers. That was a, yeah, that was a good answer. Um, so uh, shift topics because I, because I really like it. Um, yeah, uh, I'm a fan of cryptozoology. Not not a believer, yeah. a bit skeptical, but like favorite uh, cryptozoology story because I know you cover that as well. Um, you know, we don't get as much of those, but I'll just talk about them in general. Um, I, I think, here's my thing. I'm probably more skeptical about something like Bigfoot than almost anything else. Because I'll come back and say, when I'm talking to them, why haven't we found a body? And their answer is pretty much always the same. Well, nature takes care of its own and you're not walking through the woods and find a deer carcass because, but it's like one, one. Why didn't we find one? So I'm a little skeptical of things like Bigfoot. Doesn't mean that I absolutely rule it out because I'll give you an example. Um, the Patterson-Gimlin film of 1967, the famous one, the iconic where the guy is walking, you know, yeah. And, you know, that it's like a meme now with that uh, when you catch the, uh, the, the, the uh, what do you call it, the Bigfoot, and he's like in this pose, you know. Um, but they've done some stabilizations on that, and it's really interesting because first of all, that was shot on film. People call it a video. It wasn't a video. They didn't really, individuals didn't really have video cameras back then. They had film, which is harder to fake. So they've done some stabilizations. And I was kind of amazed because you look at it and they've, they've stabilized it and slowed it down. And you see what looks to be actual muscle tone in the creature. So to me, that's, that's, that's relatively compelling. But I will say this about cryptozoology. The ones that really fascinate me are the ones under the ocean. 
Yeah. Because the truth is, uh, I, I've heard it said that we know less about the deep ocean than we do about outer space. And who's to say that there isn't some kind of creature that maybe is supposed to be extinct? And I mean, to me, you know, if you see uh, an extinct creature and it's like lashing out at the sea and you have a boat or something, to you, that's a sea monster. So I think it's possible. Now, there's another, there's another um, school of thought, and I'm not really adherent to this, but there are people who say this, that something like a Bigfoot is not just a physical animal, but it has uh, kind of an interdimensional aspect to it where it can beam into our reality and beam out. And that's why you've never found a body because it's actually just uh, an interdimensional creature of some type. Now, to me, that seems a little far-fetched, but I'm absolutely serious. Uh, I, I mean, I'm serious that people have that theory. I'm not saying I subscribe to it, but I'll be glad to have an author on because why have authors on? I will ask the occasional tough question. I, uh, I don't know if you guys remember Mike Wallace, but not my favorite mm. uh, used to be on 60 Minutes. Yep. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now, he used to do this with his questioning, and I love to do this because when I'm talking to an author or expert, I might be a little more skeptical. And I don't want to confront people directly because I'm a polite guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, I might say something like this, because uh, Mike Wallace used to do this all the time. Like when he would be like interviewing a dictator and he didn't want to get shot, he would say something like this. He would say, well, now this is not me saying this, but there are some people who say the idea of an interdimensional Bigfoot, well, that's just a colossal cop-out. What do you say to that? You know, I love to frame it that way. So I'm being polite, but yet asking the skeptical question. So to me, that seems like kind of like, well, we can't come up with an explanation of why we can't find a body. So let's just say it's interdimensional. I'm not saying that everybody who adheres to that is doing that, but it kind of feels like that a little bit. Although I do believe some people believe that. And then the other interesting thing in that this does interest me about Bigfoot is that there have been cases where increased sightings of Bigfoot have correlated to increased sightings of UFOs. There's a researcher in Pennsylvania that's done a lot of work on this, Stan Gordon, and there seems to be something to it. Now that seems, uh, pardon the pun, wild ass crazy, but um, you know, I don't know. I don't know, that, that, that does interest me, the idea Bigfoot sightings go up, UFO sightings go up, UFO sightings go up, Bigfoot sightings go up. I don't know. Maybe Bigfoot's Chewbacca. Could be. There you go. You don't know. You don't know. Oh, and another thing. And another thing. Get me started and I never shut up. No, so please continue. Keep going, man. We got all night. <laughs> um, screen memories. Are you guys familiar with screen memories? Is that memories that have been, that have been implanted and, hung, and covered up? or? Well, essentially, this is the idea. That uh, it is possible, some people speculate, that aliens, when they encounter someone, they will throw up a screen memory where the person will remember not encountering alien, but they will remember encountering something else. And the thought is, is that in many sightings of different things, specifically, we've done shows on owls of all things, Mm. that aliens will throw up screen memories to kind of erase what really happened. Now that's that's wild, but I that one interests me too. That interests me too. I could I could tell you once you get into this stuff, it gets way way weirder mm. when you start really looking into it. Now what what of it's real? What of it's not? I don't know. I want to make I want to make sure we're respectful of your time, but just one last question for you, Jim. There's um there's a bunch of stories I, I heard from your podcast specifically about ghosts or shadow people with hats on. The Hat Man. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah, People see this figure that has like a fedora on. And this is one uh, like doppelgangers. I never heard of it. But um, people will see like the shadowy figure and it has a hat on a fedora. And they will say a lot of times like it is darker than dark. So it's like a void cut into the universe. Like somebody took scissors and just cut it out. And they will see it. And it's very sinister and very frightening. And sometimes during sleep paralysis. The hat man, it is a thing. The hat uh, man. 
the hat man. The hat man. I love it. <laughs> See, between that and the soft serve, you won't be able to sleep. <laughs> and you won't be able to eat soft serve anymore. Oh, good. <laughs> I've done my job. I've done my job. <laughs> you did. I've got one final question. Which part of the world and which part of the United States, since we're all from the United States, is the most haunted? Oh, that's tough. I would tend to think, um, you know, the, the most UFO area seems to be the Southwest. And a lot of the interest uh, reason for that might be a lot of the military bases, because I do think that sometimes UFOs are just secret military craft. I do think that happens. I don't think that's a total explanation, but I think it is in a percentage of cases. But I would have to say probably New England because it's the oldest. Um, I think that's fair to say because I think that part of hauntings, maybe not all, but some is like a residual haunting and it's like a replay. And I think like England, for example, I just got a chance to go there last year before, <laughs> you know, we had the worst pandemic in a hundred years. <laughs> but, uh, but those old, old places that are like a thousand years old. And I think someplace like New England would be more likely to be haunted just because of the age and more people have lived in the buildings and the buildings have been around. I, I don't know that there's been a per capita study of it, but I think that's probably a good, a good guess. Incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Tom, you got a last one? A quick one? You got a quickie, Tom? A quickie? You want me to rub one out real quick? Uh, Oopsie. We're staying G-rated. Okay, be not, nice being with you guys. Bye-bye. No. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Thanks for that. See <laughs> you later. <laughs> Oopsie. No, uh, no, I was just like, uh, no, I was just like giving him a, uh, how do you say, a chance to plug his stuff, I guess. Okay, I like yeah. that. I like that, Tom. That's great. Well, thank no, thank you for that. Um, people can go to my website, jimharold.com, J-I-M-H-A-R-O-L-D.com. But the easiest way to listen to, let's just say the campfire, because I think that's the one that most people are going to gravitate to. Just go to whatever audio software you have, an audio app you have on your phone and plug in Jim Harold's campfire. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. It's on iHeartRadio. It's like on basically radio.com. It's on all the major audio apps, Stitcher, whatever. Just type in Jim Harold's Campfire. It'll pull up, subscribe. The, the, there's always 90 days of free content, and that'll never end. You never have to pay a penny, and every week we come out with a new show. And just listen to that and, and see what you think. I'd uh, love it if people listen. And usually these days, those shows are like 90 minutes long. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot of content. Uh, and uh, if you love spooky stories, ghosts, UFOs, UFOs, cryptic creatures, wherever it may be, that's the easiest uh, and most direct way to listen. I hope you get some so users from be yeah. Oh, I hope so, too. I love, uh, Jeremy, you mentioned it. I, I get people from all over the world. I love it. And I'd love if some people from Japan would actually call in with their stories, because I think that's great to get different stories uh, across cultures. Yeah, we've got listeners from all over the world, too. We're actually really big in Scandinavia. So all you Scandinavian people out there, you that's know, right. we've had people. Yes. Yes, please do. Please do. Mm. Awesome. Well, Jim, I just want to say thank you so much. It's an honor to have you on the show tonight. Well, thank you all. It's been a lot of fun. I really appreciated it. And uh, and uh, my daughter's studying Japanese right now. So it, it's oh, just really? cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very cool. So thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, would love to talk to you again sometime. In Tokyo and craving soul food, we've got just the place for you. Soul Food House in Azubujuban. Check out what we do at soulfoodhouse.com. Come by and taste the love. We look forward to feeding you. Mitsuya Liquors. Yo, what's up, faders? If you're in Asia, if you're in Japan, if you're in Tokyo, if you're in Asagaya, you better get down to Mitsuya Liquors. That's right. For the most affordable prices in Japan, you can get over 300 different kinds of beer. That's right, over 300 different kinds of beer. And of course, they got all the shochu you need, all the sake you need. And of course, they got wine from California to Italy to France 
to New Zealand. They got it all. When I say they got it all, they really, seriously got it all. There's no joke about that. So get down to Midzia Liquors. And if you go in there and you say, got fit of Japan, you will be more than welcome to go into their back room and drink those beers that you just purchased. That's right. Got fit of Japan at Midzia Liquors. And three times a week, they have a sushi chef there. So get your sushi on, get your drink on, get your fade on, and come on down to Midzia Liquors, located comfortably in Asagaya, about five-minute walk from the station. Midzia Liquors. Hey, yo, what's up, faders? Johnny here. You know I love booze and news, but I also love art. So come on down to thespiltink.com and check my art out. I've got tons of stuff there for you to check out. I've got paintings, I've got prints, I've got videos. And I tell you what, if you like a painting, I could probably sell it to you. And I tell you what, if I can't sell you that painting, I will definitely sell you a print. I've got prints of all my work. Prints are about 2,000 N each, about 20 bucks. But if you buy two, you get the third one for free. So come on down to thespiltink.com. Yo, and on top of that, I'm looking for commissioned work. So if there's something that you want me to do, I can make it for you. Just check out my stuff and see if you like my style. And if you like my style, I can definitely paint you anything on canvas, paper, whatever. I've done it all. So come on down to thespiltink.com. That is T-H-E-S-P-I-L-T-I-N-K.com. Thespiltink.com. Proper. Are you in Harajuku with some out-of-town friends or your family or significant others? Yeah! Do you want to chill and drink beer and eat sandwiches while your friends overpay for glitter unicorn socks? Yeah! And the flavor's gonna make you complete at Harry's Sandwich Company. So come on down to Harry's Sandwich Company in the heart of Harajuku, right off Takeshita Street. See you there! Yo, what's up, faders? It's your boy, Johnny. I have an opportunity for you. Well, in fact, I have 50 opportunities for you. A few years ago, I painted all 50 American states. And in each and every state, I painted in all major city names, the state's cultural icons, pop culture that pertains to that specific state, and a whole lot more fun, interesting, and educationally groovy stuff. The project took me over eight months to complete, and now they're yours forever. I have digital prints available for download on the Spilt Inks Etsy shop. These prints started off at about five bucks a pop, but not anymore. These high resolution prints are a dollar each. They're yours for a dollar each. So brighten up your walls and expand your mind with your favorite state. These prints are a dollar each and they're worth so much more. These, are, these, these paintings are absolutely incredible. You're gonna love them. And if you don't like the state project, that's cool, that's cool. Johnny still has love for you. But check out the Spilled Inks Etsy shop to find all sorts of other wild art that will save your soul and blow your mind. So go down to the show notes for a direct link to the Spilled Inks Etsy shop. Go there, shop away, support the show because we love you and we love art too. So faders, without further ado, enjoy the show. If you're going to get your fade on, you got to get your fade on in style. And that's why I use Ghost Town Palmade. Ghost Town Palmade is the number one badass palmade, and I practice what I preach. When I leave this house, if I'm not wearing a hat, if I'm not wearing a lid, I'm wearing Ghost Town Palmade in my hair. This stuff is amazing. It smells good, it looks good, and it feels good. Ghost Town Palmade, badass palmade. And let me tell you one thing, it comes in a lid. That's pretty badass. This whole world is so nerfed up these days. Everything is plastic and pink, but not Ghost Town Palmade. This stuff is a man's palmade, and it is hardcore. It's so hardcore, it's from Oakland, California. Oakland, California. That's right. Ghost Town Palmade. Get your fade on in style. Proper. Yo, what's up, faders? One heck of an episode. One heck of an episode. I mean, wasn't that incredible? That was a lot of fun. And uh, I really got to thank Jim for being on the show. I mean, what a great sport for him to wake up so early in the morning just to be on Got Fitted Japan. Hopefully, you guys start listening to his show because his campfire show is incredible. If you listen to that shit late at night, you're going to be staying up... uh... (laughs) not counting sheep. You're going to be counting your prayers. Oh, man. Fucking good stuff. Well, faders, on that note, I'm going to say thank you very much for tuning into this very special episode of Got Fitted Japan. It's been been a roller coaster and a lot of fun. Holy smokes. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. 
And um, yeah, if you love it, sign up for the Patreon. If you sign up for the Patreon, you support the show. It costs you $5 and you get the keys to the city. And um, up there, as you know, we've got bonus interviews, bonus videos, and all sorts of other stuff. And it really does help us out. If money's tight, all good. We still got love for you. But you can go to the iTunes. Go to the iTunes, sign up there. And if you don't sign up for iTunes, it's all good. But mm, it's actually better if you do because, you know, then you can give us a five-star review and write something groovy. And that helps us out a lot. And on top of that, it's free. Oh, free? What else is free, Johnny? Well, we got a lot of free stuff on Instagram and on Facebook, man. We upload that stuff every single day. So if you want free stuff, oh, wait, isn't this podcast free? If you want more free stuff, you can go to our Facebook and our Instagram page. And all that stuff is hilarious, and it's all about Japan. So sign up there. And on that note, faders, thank you very much for tuning into this very special episode of Got Faded Japan. Um, it was great fading with you guys. I hope you guys are about as faded as we were as we made this. Uh, I think one of us, and I guess you can um, hmm, determine who, was a little bit too faded and didn't really speak. But that's all good. It's all fun. It's all part of the podcast. So if you're faded with us, it is incredible because we fade hard with you. That's why it's called Got Faded Japan. And on that note, faders, I'm dropping the mic and I'll see you next week. Peace. My little brother, a goddamn shit sucking vampire. Oh, you wait till mom finds out, buddy. I've got a government job to abuse. Lonely wife to fuck. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. God, the pressure! I can't take it! I can't take it! I can't stand to it! You sure I should do this, man? We're going freaky! We came, we saw, we kicked his ass! Your move, creep. Man. I will never forgive your ass for this shit. This is some fucked up repugnant shit. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold.